Welcome to Cook County Jail. Uh, sir, have a seat. Have a seat. Are you a sir? Then I mean sit down. Thank you. Some people call this place Hotel California. The jail is a series of buildings dating back to 1929, covering five city blocks along California Avenue on Chicago's south side. It's the largest jail of its kind in the country. Michael Williams, open one. This is receiving one of the jail's busiest divisions. Herbert Farrell, bullpen two. About 300 men and women are processed through here every day. Timothy Sapson, bullpen two. They have their mug shots taken. Stand right here, put your back on this wall, right here. They're fingerprinted, strip searched, and given medical and psychiatric evaluations. Joseph DePenza. That's Dr. Leslie Stein. 8306. She's small, but she's got a big voice and lots of energy. Well, step out. She heads up the psychiatric evaluation team in receiving. Every person who comes to jail receives a brief psychological assessment. Have they ever been treated for any mental health problems? Do they take prescription medications? Do they drink alcohol? Do they use drugs? Have they ever tried to kill themselves? Feel like killing themselves or anybody else today? Be surprised how many people answer yes to both. All right, talk to me, Joseph. It says you told my partner here that you're taking clonopin. Yes, ma'am. And did. heroin. Now tell me about that. Methadone. Methadone. You're taking heroin too, or what? Once in a while. Dr. Stein sits across a cubicle from a man who's been charged with burglary. How many times have you ever tried to kill yourself for real? For real. Two. When was that? The last time was when my wife took my daughter from me. The difference between doing mental health work in jail and doing mental health work out in the community is when you meet someone in the community, whether it's in a private practice setting or a community mental health center or any kind of mental health center, you're attempting to establish some kind of rapport and building an ongoing relationship. Here, this is much more emergency triage and we want the answers to our questions. We want to evaluate you on your truthfulness, on the symptoms. We assess you, and then we want to get you where you need to go. You don't want to kill yourself or anybody else today, do you? You never know. No, I want to know. You're going to kill yourself or anybody else today? Yes It'd or no? It'd be very hard to do that, wouldn't do it? Do you want to kill yourself or anybody else today? Yes or no? This is not a fooling around question. I have to strap you down because I can't trust you or you're all right? You can trust me. All right, go turn in your property. Turn in my property? Please. That man is not meant to live. That man is a drug addict. Dr. Stein has been working at the jail eight years, long enough to be able to quickly spot a malinger, someone who is faking or exaggerating a psychiatric or medical problem to get out of the general population. When I first came to work here, my, one of my predecessors said to me, after you work and receive me for a while, you'll be able to diagnose people with a handshake. And so now most of us down here have it down with a, a quick up and down. We look for uh, physical signs and symptoms that would show that they are taking psychotropic medicine, looking for behavior disorders, people cannot follow directions. We're looking for um, physical appearance. Very often you'll see people in eight or nine layers of clothing in July. That's usually a tip off that someone is mentally ill. They might just be homeless, although many homeless people are also mentally ill. So it's not necessarily, that's why we have to actually do the interview. Sir, what, sir, what's your name? I'm Welch. How you doing, Mr. Welch? All right, and you? I'm all right, why are you wearing your gloves? Because I was cold. I guess so. I've got two pack gloves. I see. 
This man is 48 years old, but looks closer to 68. In addition to the two pairs of gloves, he's wearing two sock caps and several layers of clothes that look like they haven't been washed in months. Why'd you come around and talk to me for a sec? Oh, man, I don't know. Well, I want to talk to you, but What? I want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. Well, what you got on your mind to do otherwise? No, I've got nothing on my mind. can get out of here. I swear. He has big, sad, droopy eyes, a scraggly beard speckled with gray, and he talks out of the side of his mouth, which is missing lots of teeth. I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing in jail, no way. You know what? I ain't did this is disorderly conduct. Does that sound right? Yeah. The funky smell and um, hair standing on end is usually a combination that indicates something is up. You ever try to kill yourself? No, I'm not. You think I'm crazy? No. I investigated. I, I hope might not. Be, uh, <laughs> but hey, there's no suicide. I hope not. Homicide. I hope not. Now that man is mentally ill. I'm going to send him to our cute psychiatric care unit because he needs to be in a structured environment where there'll be a little bit more tolerance for his irritability and agitation. If he was in a, a regular division, other inmates might want to harm him. I believe he has a legitimate mental illness as well, but it's, it's a little difficult to tease out because of the alcohol dependence. Bye-bye, Mr. Welch. Bye-bye. Do what the officers tell you. Anyone diagnosed with a mental problem in receiving is sent to the acute care psychiatric unit. For men, it's called Three North. All right, gentlemen, I want you to go to the game room for group therapy. Mandatory. Community meeting, gentlemen. Come on, have some fun. Let's go, gentlemen, to the day room. Come on, gentlemen, let's go. Come on. Three North is located on the top floor of a three-story brick building. There are 52 beds on two tiers, plus a dozen or so mattresses on the floor to handle overcrowding. At the end of each tier is a day room, which is used for group therapy and orientation meetings. First, let me start off with explaining what kind of unit you're on. You're on an acute care unit. That means that you have mental health needs that need immediate attention. Dr. Nika Garrity is the coordinating psychologist on 3 North. She conducts some of the initial patient assessments, which means sitting down and talking one-on-one. -on -one. How do you feel about being on a psych ward right now? Nervous. Looks scary. This man was admitted to 3 North 24 hours ago after being arrested for burglary. He tells Dr. Garrity that he's an alcoholic and a crack cocaine addict, and that he's been in and out of jail, prison, and psychiatric hospitals. I'm at this stage where, like I say, it really doesn't matter to me whether I live or die right now, because, like I say, things have been going bad so long that I really don't care anymore. I never second-guess anybody who says that they're suicidal. I don't care if my gut is telling me I think they're just faking it because they want to get off a division because they owe somebody some money or because some gang members threaten them. If they complain of being suicidal, and our officers, everybody in the jail knows, suicide, buzzword, send them up to the acute care unit. Suicide is the leading cause of death in jail. In fact, it was a class action lawsuit filed in the mid-70s by families of detainees who committed suicide while in custody here at Cook County Jail that led to the establishment of the Mental Health Division. Nationwide, the majority of jailhouse suicides are committed by the mentally ill. Over half take place within the first 24 hours of incarceration. The high five just is asking for some help, you know, because I, I don't know what's going on. 
you know, and I need someone that do know what's going on to sit down and to help me explain to me exactly what it is that is going on with me. Well, we'll take good care of you while you're here. I believe that. Anthony, where? Leave me alone, man. Come on, you threatened me, man. You threatened to kill me this morning, man. Okay? You threatened to bomb Barbados, man. Okay? There is a special close observation room here on 3 North for suicidal and disruptive patients. Under close observation today is a man who has wrapped himself in his bedsheet and stands in the corner of the room. Another man stares blankly through the plexiglass window. Across the hall, one detainee is strapped down in full leather restraints, used when a patient is judged to be a danger to himself or others. Mr. Welsh, how are you doing today? You still feel like hurting people or are you more calmed down? Scott Welsh has been up on 3 North for a day and a half now. The average stay here is three and a half days. Like all the male detainees, he's wearing a khaki Department of Corrections shirt and pants and just socks. Shoes and shoelaces are not allowed on 3 North. He was in court the day before, so today is the first time he's had a chance to meet with a psychiatrist. How can I help you today? I don't know. I do not know. Are you hearing any voices, sir? No, sir. Okay. I'm just tired. You bother me. Are you seeing things which other people? No, I don't know. Okay. Do you have a feeling that there's something crawling no. in your body? Maybe you do, but not me. Okay. Usually in the outside world and in traditional institutions, a psychiatrist or a psychologist has months, even years, to work with a patient. In jail, that's not possible. Here, a patient's stay is determined by his or her legal status, and a doctor has just a few weeks sometimes only a few days, to piece together a patient's psychological puzzle. You know what today's uh, date is? What? Now it's Dr. Oh, Garrity's goodness. turn to try to figure out February. what's going on with yep. Scott Welch. He would be considered chronically mentally ill, duly diagnosed. Duly diagnosed means that there's a psychiatric diagnosis in, a, in this situation and a diagnosis of substance use or dependence. Remember, and you don't remember how many, you can't give me an idea about how many years you started drinking. No, 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 no. Nope, nope, nope. All right. Over 20 years. Over 20 years. Well, that's a good, that's, thank you for that. The confusing or what may be the complicating component is his alcohol history. So we don't know how much dementia may be occurring as a result of that. Um, he's homeless. If you got out tonight, where would you go? I don't know. So we're dealing with the possibility of withdrawal, and depending on the drug, the type of withdrawal, if it's alcohol, we could be looking at DTs in three to four days. If they come in using PCP, they could not even know where they are, and not know where they are for several, several, several days, and be totally out of control. It really depends on the drug and the combination of drugs. I was getting out of PCP again, cocaine. I had a uh, cocaine addiction, and uh, I was drinking heavily. Next thing I know, a family member's dead, and uh, I got arrested. In September of 1998, David Harwick was brought to 3 North after being arrested for first-degree murder. The first night I was there, they had me in full leather restraints because they thought I was suicidal. Next day I was let out, and then I went in the day room. One day I had two pieces of metal, and I stuck them in the outlet behind the TV, and I grabbed a hold of both of them. And all it did was all it did was jitter my bones for a second. David has since been transferred to the Men's Residential Treatment Unit, or RTU, the next stop for psych patients after acute care. 
where, at the urging of his therapist, Stacy Berardino, he's begun keeping a journal. I'm not too used to writing in journals. It's the first one I've ever done. And uh, I started off, hello, journal. Finally got some paper to write to you, so I figured I'd better get busy. Uh, I was having a bad day that day, so I put, today really stinks. Actually, he has made some strides. Uh, when he first came to the psych unit, he was very angry, explosive, very impulsive. So how old were you when you first started noticing that you really would have trouble with anger? My mother had a cat and it scratched me and I tried to throw it in the broiler oven. I mean, the cat hurt me, I was going to hurt it. I was about four years old when it happened, four or five. And now um, he has stabilized quite a bit in that he um, is learning ways to manage his anger. Um, he's addressing those issues. He's starting to label and identify the emotions and the feelings underneath his anger. Because anger is what got you in here. Anger is what got me in here both times. Mm -hmm. David is short and stocky. His head is shaved so you can make out the faded image of a Tasmanian Devil cartoon tattooed on his skull. His upper body is covered with tattoos, including the one he got when he was 17 and just starting a 10-year prison term for two counts of attempted murder. It's the word love intersecting with the word mom. You know, because I love my mother a lot. And when I got locked up, I knew that what I had done it hurt her to know that her son was like that, that her son was capable of doing something like that. Less than a year after David was released from prison, he was arrested again. This time, the charge was first-degree murder. The victim was David's mother. The murder weapon was a hammer. These days, David spends as much time as he can in the RTU's rec room lifting weights. But his workout today is cut short when Dr. Stender Brar, the head psychologist on RTU, calls David out of the rec room to talk to him about an issue that's come up. Mr. Hardwick, let's move it right now. Thank you. David had been taking part in a 12-step substance abuse meeting in the general population, or GP area, which is off-limits to psych patients. When he got the news yesterday that he could no longer attend the meetings, he tried to talk with Dr. Brar but she wasn't available until this morning. Your feelings are very important to My you. feelings were hurt yesterday, Dr. Brown. They were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, all my life people do that to me. Wait, no, not now. Hmm. You know, my mother used to do that a lot when I was a kid and I wanted to talk to her. And? And then tomorrow never came. That's one thing, you, you don't know me, Dr. Brown. I don't, I'm trying to understand. You know, you don't know nothing about me. You're right, I don't. Neither one of your psych workers knows anything about me. No one in this building will ever know anything about me as long as I cannot have anything that's positive for me. I can accommodate you very easily. I can send you to GP. Where I can't get any help. You know, that's the no threat. No problem that, that's, at all. That's, if you are not getting any help from psychiatry, and we cannot assist you in any kind of way, you're occupying a bed. You're turning words around now. I didn't say I'm not getting any. I'm hardly getting anything positive out of these groups. I'm getting something, okay? What I'm, is that? I'm getting some kind of help. What are you getting out of this What program? am I supposed to get? Give me some insights. What have you learned about yourself? I've learned that I have a real problem with anger and I can't control it until someone tries to twist words around and tries to belittle me and make me look like a stupid lunatic. Are you? 
I feel like that's how you're making me look. And you're sitting there and you always try to put words around it, twist words around it, and it seems like you're trying to make me look like I'm this small. Are you that you know? small? No, I'm not that small. And I don't care how you try to make me look. Because you don't have to walk in my shoes. You don't have to live with the nightmare I have to live with every single night because of what happened. You don't have to live with the thoughts of trying to maybe, man, do I want to live or do I not want to live every day? You don't have to live with that. You get a paycheck and you go home and you get to sleep at night. My feeling is if he goes to GP, he's going to regress back to doing the same kind of acts he was doing before coming here. He's going to either get beaten up or he's going to beat somebody else up. I think he is dangerous. He's dangerous to himself and others. I try and look at the world through their eyes, but to no avail. Sometimes I wonder why the system doesn't just kill us all and put us out of our misery and relieve the world of the humongous burden we are. All we are is dead weight being stored in a human warehouse. Some of us let free at one time or another, and the only reason for that is the fact that they know we'll be back in the system again. Gentlemen, anyone who would like to come into the group room and participate in a poetry therapy group, I'd like to encourage you to first, uh, like six guys that want to come over are welcome to. Why don't you come and hear some poetry and stuff? Eric Spruth is one of three expressive therapists who work in the jail's mental health division. He's got a bag of tricks he uses to try to create some sense of hope amidst all the pain and desperation. I'll go on a dorm, I'll do some card tricks, no one knows who I am. I come back three days later and they get excited. They say, the magician's here. And I'm like, no, I'm not the magician, I'm your therapist. And then we, we do these other types of uh, processes, which is not trickery, but it opens doors in a real tricky way. Gentlemen, for those who don't know me, my name is Spruth, and today we're going to have a poetry therapy group. David Harwick and seven other men sit in a circle in one of the group therapy rooms in RTU. They read a few poems from previous groups. Then Eric Spruth pulls out a yellow bean bag. This is the magic part. And the way it's worked in the past and the way it might work for us today is I kick things off with this bag. I'm going to say the first word that pops in my mind. I didn't come in here thinking I'm going to say the word love and we're going to write a poem about unity and peace or something. I'm honestly going to say the first thing that pops in my mind. I'm not going to think about it. But when I do that, I'm going to look at one of you guys so, and I'm going to throw it to you so you know it's coming your way so you can catch it. When you catch it, don't try to think of something slick, poetic, wonderful, whatever. Just say the first thing that pops in mind. It could be a word, a couple ideas, whatever. And then throw it to someone else. Be sure to look at them so they know it's coming their way so they can catch it. All right, here we go. Scratch. Itchy. Irritable. Pain. Now, you guys are pros. We're going to start the poem on that. Murder. You have men that talk about loneliness, but they're surrounded by others. And I think if you can create a community, create a camaraderie amongst those men or those women, help to facilitate, that's, that's a measurable change. Uh, get through the day. To run away from freedom, to set out for the truth, whatever your goal is, uptight, really a part of life. Who really feels the pain? And the title we came up with was... Uh, a fine line between genius and madness, the minds of eight men. No matter what they try, there are some patients the staff is never able to reach. This woman lies on a mattress in the corner of the Women's Acute Care Psychiatric Unit. 
She refuses to get dressed, except for the turban she's fashioned from a bedsheet. This is how she's been communicating with the staff and other detainees. If you're born, plant you some corn, go blow your horn. <laughs> Dr. Gary Koenig is the head psychologist on the Women's Mental Health Unit. Today, Dr. Gary, as he's known to his patients, is checking up on a woman who he previously diagnosed as schizophrenic. Are you seeing things that other people don't ordinarily see? I would see this man with yellow eyes, and, and things would crawl off the wall, come out of the wall. She says she's been arrested 20 times, mostly for crimes like petty theft. She's here this time for allegedly stealing a pantsuit from a retail store. I was hearing voices, and the voices told me to take the pantsuit. Because mental health funding in the community is less, well, of course, then people are brought to jail when they commit even minor crimes where in the past they would have gone to mental health facilities, but many of those facilities do not exist anymore, and the ones that do have very few beds. So I think um, people who committed minor crimes, not the felons or anything like that, but people who commit minor theft, trespassing, jump over the turnstile in the CTA, um, now they're being arrested for that instead of when it's clearly they're mentally ill instead of going to a hospital. Right now we're on the second floor of the intermediate care units and we're about to go on the unit um, to see how the patients are doing. We call it milieu therapy just to see if anybody's in crisis, anybody has something to say. People might want to shed light on troubles in the dormitory living, um, other people who might be having difficulty. So we'll go on the unit and just hear what they have to say. The women are very needy, and um, one of the problems is, is that they don't have much um, communication with their relatives, which means also they have no communication with their other loved ones, especially children. And so now they become more desperate. They want to know what happened to these kids, want to know how can I get a hold of somebody who might bond me out, who might have money. So when we walk on the unit, many of the requests are, I need communication with their, with their loved ones. So it's not just revolving around phone calls, it's revolving around medication issues. I be having the side effects of my medications right now. Like my tongue be hanging out of my mouth, and my eyes be rolling back to my head. And that's not a very fun feeling at all. When's my next court date? I just want to talk to someone. Dr. Beard, honestly. Yes. I want to be transferred to 3B. I need some normalcy, some adult conversation in my life. So they're, they're, they're very needy, and I think that's a, a very much a difference than with the males who I think maybe express their needs in different ways, but certainly you wouldn't see them kind of rushing to the door when a psych worker walks in as do the females. Yes. Dr. Gary, this place and your treatment have made me a better place so that I can go out among the communication that you know, communicate with people at my age of 45, uh -huh. it has helped me because you don't get a chance at 45. So hopefully so our task is to rehabilitate in, you know, in whatever we can do. Though we are honest with ourselves and realize we can only do so much, but people still deserve compassionate treatment, even if they're here for the 50th time, and we know they're going to come back for the 51st time in two weeks. They still deserve it. 
no matter what crime they've committed, because it could be yours or mine relative one time, or our friends, or even in the worst scenario, it could even be us. Okay, ladies. See you later. Uh, I'm going to tell you three things here you have to remember those things and I will ask you after five minutes. Okay? You have to listen to me. Okay? Pencil, telephone, 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 book. Okay. Scott Welsh, the homeless detainee we met earlier, has been on three north the men's acute care unit for three weeks now. He was about to be released to the residential treatment unit, but he began getting paranoid, delusional, and disoriented, urinating near the beds of his dorm mates and accusing one of the psychiatrists of stealing his money. So he's now in the close observation room, which is monitored around the clock. Can you repeat those three words I told you to remember you? 11, 15, 21. I don't no. know what it is. I told you to remember three things. There's also been another development in Scott Welsh's case. About a week after he was admitted here to Three North, he became even more irritable and confused, and he started falling down a lot. So he was sent over to Cook County Hospital for some medical tests. When he was returned to the jail the next day, his charts indicated that he had tested positive for HIV the previous summer. Now he has full-blown AIDS. We're going to help you with this, though. It's, it's a good thing that we're here with all this medical stuff. <laughs> right. Oh, this man, he needs to go right from here to a facility where he's going to be watched, where he's going to be fed every day, where he's going to be medicated every day. You know, he's not going to be allowed to wander anymore. And his spirit is positive. He just had some pretty heavy-duty information, and look at him. Sometimes there is grace in ways that we don't know. In dementia, there can be grace. Oh, well. Well, Scott, uh, as mm -hmm. Dr. Garrity mentioned, my name is uh, Ms. Musa, okay, and I'm this linkage mm -hmm. social worker. Mm -hmm. Linkage um, is where a social worker, in this case Sarah Musa, tries to match up detainees like Scott Welsh with housing and medical and psychiatric support once they're released from jail. Admittedly, it's one of the weakest programs here in the mental health division. Sarah Musa is the only full-time linkage worker. You know, this is going to be a difficult case because it could be that he gets released at 1 in the morning, and I'm not sure if he really knows his way around, so he might just start wandering, and a lot of times um, they might find themselves sleeping on someone's front yard or backyard, the L station or on a bus, and gets rearrested, and they end up here again. These are the medicines that you're taking now. Does that, does that sound familiar to you? Lithium, yes. 600 milligrams twice a day. Right. About 20% of Musa's right? cases involve a homeless, oh. chronically mentally ill person. But not all are as tough as Scott Welsh's. This is where you're going, and I think you know how to get there, you said, right? 835 West Addison. Mm -hmm. this, this man is, is also homeless and chronically mentally ill and has been in and out of jail and prison. He's being released today because the latest charge against him, domestic battery, was dropped. Musa made a few calls this morning and reserved a bed at a homeless shelter and has spoken with some workers there who will help him get psychiatric support. We can't do it for you, mm -hmm. but I think you can do it on your own. I, th I really do. Yeah, I so. can do it. A security officer escorts him to the discharge area where he's released. 
cold out here. Lawrence Rubo, bullpen two. On his way out of Cook County Jail, he walks past the receiving department where psychologist Leslie Stein is still at work evaluating the latest group in the endless parade of new detainees. This says you're having suicidal thoughts. Are you really? Yes. Why? I don't have no guts, though. Good. It, it, it comes to thoughts. You want to kill anybody else? No, no. Crush your heart, hoping not to die? Yeah, I, I'm not, no, no physically harm nobody else. And what about yourself? The thoughts, they come, they come once, and once in the blue moon, you know. Everything's going downhill. I probably sit in my room, cry. Well, that's all right. You've been locked up, and you're a young man, and you've been locked up. Yeah, but it's not the, the um, it's not being locked up though. You know? You're used to that. No, I'm not used to it, but I've been through it once or twice. So what's going on, Steph?